You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. God is good. And it's awesome to be able to report to you in these almost 23 years by the grace and power of God. We've seen 2.3 million decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ around the globe and predominantly in unreached territories of the world. And it is an honor to be able to do so. And we believe it's just a drop in the bucket. We believe God is mobilizing an army, just like the video said. And it's not just uh, the John Smithwick crusade preachers. It's everyday folks that God has called and equipped and assigned to step up and make a difference in a world that is so broken and so in need and so hurting and so looking at the answers. I heard a stat just the other day. Uh, I believe it was something like 6% or maybe it was even less, under 6% of the United States of America today has, it's less than that, that has a true biblical worldview. How many know our world is looking for the answers? And it's not just any, many, mighty, mo, only a few. It's all hands on deck. Each and every one of us have part of the assignment. The greatest joy, the greatest thrill is making him known right behind knowing him is in making him known. And in fact, our Christianity becomes, if we're not careful, it can become apathetic. It can become warped. If we stop in making him known, if it's just knowing him, we're only going halfway. Because to know the master, you hear the heartbeat of heaven, and that heartbeat is souls, 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 for God truly so loved the world. And each and every one of us have a divine design part to play in that divine heavenly mandate on this earth. And I, I want to talk to you about that. If at any point, though, in our time together here at this beautiful Palm Sunday with Abide, if you're stirred to do more in reaching the world for Jesus and specifically in reference to Global Ventures and going overseas, we still have a few trips that are open this year. I know Thailand is wide open. You can sign up back at our booth there. We've got some incredible merch and other materials. But if you have to get out quickly today and you want to stay connected or curious about our trips or in any way want to know more about the ministry, just text GV for Global Ventures, GV to 313131, and we'll make sure that you get anything uh, you're looking for. But we would love to have you be part of reaping the harvest around the world. I want to talk to you when we first talked about Pastor Dan asked me to come, I said, hey, is there any specific direction you'd like me to go? And of course, you know, he would allow me the liberty to just flow with the Holy Spirit in the moment. But I loved his answer. Coming into this week of Easter Resurrection Day, Resurrection Weekend, just right ahead, he said, can you preach on the harvest? And a little bit about the miraculous. Hmm, not something hard for John Smithwick to do. That is definitely our wheelhouse at Global Ventures and how God wired me. You know, we need to be aware, ever aware. Do you know there is a whole generation of Christians today across this beautiful land that isn't aware that God has positioned us to live, I believe, in the greatest day to be alive on planet Earth. The greatest set of generations is living right now. 
as marvelous as it was, the things that Paul and Peter and James and John and different ones of the apostles of old, they saw. And then you take just the last hundred or so years, the Smith Wigglesworths, the John G. Lakes, the uh, William Seymour's, um, um, Maria Woodworth Adder's, Catherine Kuhlman's, as awesome as all they saw was, I believe with all my heart it was warm-up and a foreshadowing for what our generations on planet Earth are assigned to see today, not years down the road. Don't be looking for some glory cloud nebulously floating out there somewhere near and close to the sweet by and by. God needs his power in and through you manifesting, not out there right now, here today, each and every moment of each and every day, because God needs all hands on deck. The harvest truly is great. And the laborers are few. Probably the two most famous harvest passages, Matthew 9, already jumped onto that passage. You know, Matthew 9, if you read the whole chapter, it's, it's epic. I mean, Jesus is healing people left and right after a whole string of miracles and cool things that he does. In verse 36, it says that he's then healing all manner of sickness and disease in the synagogue. But right out of that, he makes a statement in seeing the need, the current state of affairs, not of the economy, not of the agricultural climate. In that day, it would have been the agricultural climate. How's it doing? Not the latest reports from CNN or Fox, but when he looked into the faces of precious people, he saw the current affairs that were most dear to God Almighty, and that was precious human beings that were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And he makes that famous statement. One translation says they were like bewildered. It gives the implication that they were tormented, that they were buffeted, they were beaten. Jesus looks out. And he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he makes and reveals a name of God, the first New Testament name of God, aside from Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. And I know the church here has been in a series here just the last few weeks of the names of Jehovah, the names of God, and phenomenal learning about those names. But here, God the Son, God Almighty the Son, is revealing a new name of God the Father when he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he would do what? That he would send forth labors into his harvest because the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Do you know those words have echoed down through the ages and they haven't gotten softer. They've gotten louder and louder and louder because this morning I pulled up and I Googled it and we're sitting at right at 7.8 billion people on planet earth today. The need has never been at this all-time high. And with our studies that we've done at Global Ventures, pulling from some of the experts, the stats show that it's close to 4 billion of that 7.8 that have never heard the gospel one single solitary time. We're the generations alive that get to change those stats. We're the generation that gets to manifest heaven in a whole new way and dimension that the earth has never seen. Yes, the earth is truly groaning for the sons, the children of God to be revealed. And I believe we're the ones that get to manifest at levels, I dare say, that have never been seen like this before if we simply dare to step out of the boat. 
But you've got to be aware of it first. Say aware. And after you're aware, you've got to be awakened. If you've never heard a message about the harvest, about how high the stakes are for precious human beings that do not know him, the first thing is you're being made aware. The second thing is being awakened. That's where God's deep calls into the deep of you because you are one with him. If you're his son, you're his daughter. His Holy Spirit is one with your spirit. And as I speak and the Holy Spirit laces, saturates the words from his word about the harvest, it bears witness with your inner man, your inner person saying, there is something that I have to do with the thing that he is talking about. I know very well about this because I heard a man of God preaching when I was only 12 years old. His name was Dr. Lester Sumrall. And I wish I could tell you it was in an incredible setting like this, but it was a little more meager. Just as Jesus was born in a meager setting, it was a meager scenario where I heard him preach this message, and it touched my heart forever. I was riding down the road in the backseat of mom and dad's car, and they put his tape series in, in that day. And I heard him, and his words captivated me, his adventures, the things that he saw, the things that he was doing. But the thing that marked me for life was when he told his encounter as a 17-year-old boy when he was on his deathbed dying, and he heard the doctor say, I'm going to make the death certificate out. God gave him a vision. He gave him a vision of Bible on one side and a casket on the other. He said, I'm taking the Bible. We began to preach, and shortly after that, as a 19-year-old boy, he had a second vision, and that's the vision that forever changed my life. He saw the whole world walking the road of life. He had never been out of the United States of America, so he, on the awareness scale, was way down here. He was so captivated by their beauty and their uh, cultures and uh, just how they looked. was so intrigued. He didn't even realize what was at the end of the road of life till the Spirit of God took him in the vision. And at the end of the road of life was a cliff, and on the other side of the cliff were the flames of hell leaping up to greet precious humanity from every tongue, every tribe, every culture group. They were so unaware. Do you know most of the world is unaware of the gospel, unaware that their works are coming up empty, that their prayers to Hindu gods of stone and wood, their prayers to Allah, their sacrifices, their money gifts to Buddha and the local spirit gods, they're unaware that it's not quite enough. Deep in their heart and their soul, if you have a moment of true pause with them, because I've asked them about it, they'll admit, well, I'm not sure. But they're doing everything that they've ever known to do, and they're coming up empty each and every time they go to their local spirit house. They go to the Hindu temple. They say another religious prayer that the cleric has led them in. And the only ones that can make a difference are us. When Lester saw that happening, God quoted out of Ezekiel, Lester Summerall quoted to him. He said, no, they're not my responsibility. God said, yes, they are. Ezekiel 3 goes on to talk about how each and every one of us are watchmen. Originally, it was written to the house of Israel, but we got to interpret things in light of the New Covenant and the New Testament. And our commander-in-chief, the last things he said were go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It wasn't the great suggestion. It wasn't the great, oh, maybe. It wasn't a, a thing where Peter, James, and John sat under a tree and said, well, duh, what are we going to do today? Hmm, let's put our thinking caps on to the rest of the twelve. 
No, they understood what they were here on this planet for. They understood their commander-in-chief had left them with standing orders. Before his feet left the planet, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You get into the different translations of that, and it strongly means every single member of the entire human race. So the mission of heaven, the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ isn't fully actualized until every human being has the opportunity to hear the gospel at least once. I like what one preacher from a generation or two ago said. He said, why should anyone have the right to hear the gospel twice when there's those on the planet that have never heard it once? Man, what a mission we have. What an opportunity. And we're alive in the day that we can hop on airplanes and be on the other side of the world in one to two days. We can be to the deepest, darkest jungles where people have never even seen Westerners or North Americans, never seen people with fair skin or speaking different languages. And we can go and grab interpreters and go right out in the midst of where they are, open our mouths and share the gospel that will save their soul. Jesus had another encounter, and to finish off that story, the moment that he said, they're not my responsibility, he looked down in the vision and he saw the blood of the nations actually running through his hands. Ezekiel 3 talks about if we don't warn the heathen of his ungodly deeds, and he dies in those iniquities, that will be, their blood will be required on our hands. Boy, that's sobering, but it's true. I was a 12-year-old boy. It did something in my heart that would never leave me. It so messed with me in the right kind of way, wrecked me in the right kind of way, that I knew that's what I was born for. I knew if I was going to please God, I didn't have a choice. I had to go to the far four corners of the earth and carry the good news gospel. But do you know what? When I heard that, it wasn't burdensome. When we hear the revelatory word of God, Knowing that part of our assignment ties into that, it should never be condemning. It should be exhilarating. It's the most thrilling thing to share the gospel around the world. I was thinking just as I was preparing for this message, Carl and Martha are very dear to my heart. I live with Martha's family the year that I launched a ministry down in Peru. And it was amazing just in that first year of launching full-time, seeing what God did. We would go and do crusades all over Peru And I went to one of the darkest areas. I said, where's the most unreached area? And it was an area called Abankai. And in just a brief few days, we saw people that had idols right beside the Catholic cross on top of their houses go from trusting in trying to appease and offer up things to those idols, appeasements, to calling out to Jesus, not just through a religious, hey, that's something along with the saints, but rather, that is the Savior of my soul. I'll make him my personal Lord and Master. It was awesome. It went from being virtual strangers in the city to a deaf girl having her ears open. She had been deaf from age three, beaten by her alcoholic father at age 26. She had not heard in all those years. We caught it on video as one of the first miracles we ever caught. We broadcasted across the region. People came down out of the mountains. People came from other areas because the radio covered us, TV covered us. I, at one point, I couldn't even walk into a tienda without people recognizing us from TV, just in T-shirts and jeans and to buy a Coca-Cola. And I turned around, and there was a line waiting, asking for healing. 
I mean, talk about days of Acts now. That's how we birthed the ministry. And just thinking through the amazing, exhilarating things that we've seen around the world. Here more recently in Bangladesh, for those that don't know a whole lot about Bangladesh, we in this area of the country would say Bangladesh or in Arkansas, my home state, Bangladesh. (laughs) But in Bangladesh, it has the largest unreached people group in the entire world. Today, there are still over 7,400 categorizations called people groups that do not have enough knowledge of the gospel within their own selves for it to be an adequate witness among their numbers. Remember, Revelations talks about one day it'll be every tongue, every tribe, every kindred around the throne of God praising. Do you know in the age of internet and airplanes, there's still 7,400 plus people groups. Well, Bangladesh has the largest. It's like 135 million of the Shaikh people. And Joshua Projects, the experts, categorized that people group originally as being 0.0% Christian, 100% Muslim. And we had the joy of going in and sharing in very, very thick areas of where that precious people group and many, many Muslims in general were. It was interesting. I think about the difference that's been made already the first night when we tried to hold an open-air crusade, my very own translators, the Bangladeshis, were so fearful that they were in a verbal debate on whether or not to fully share any aspects of the gospel that would put pressure on the crowd or give opportunity for the crowd to be born again. And man, I threw down the gauntlet. Because my translator said, hey, we can just share a little bit, but we can't offer Jesus to them right now. We can't ask them to pray with us. And, man, they saw this redheaded 245-pound white boy get all sorts of ape crazy on them. I said, we did not come all this way, bring this team, mobilize, just to share a nice little story, bedtime story. No, we're preaching the gospel, and we're giving opportunity for them to receive Jesus right here. Now, they got so angry at our main point guy, Pastor Michael's his name. He has a nationwide prayer ministry there. He's uh, helped facilitate other people through the years in and out. He told me Morris Cirillo couldn't even make it out of the airport. They had to do a lockdown. They found out he was coming, and they locked him in for seven days and never really was able to do the event they wanted to do. But thank God we're not as known as some people, so we come in under the radar, and that's the plan of God so the gospel can get out to the masses. Well, I looked around, where's Pastor Michael? Where's Pastor Michael? It was the only time we pulled the, uh, a, a little code system that we have at Global Ventures where we send most of the team back to the hotel because it felt like, man, with the way this is happening, is there a sniper on the roof going to try to fire a cap off, you know, a shot at us? No, the hand of God was on us. And I was wondering, where's our main contact? They got so angry at him. I don't know if it was fear actually. Fear was tangible. It was electrifying. And I had to come across bold and strong or that fear would have shut everyone down. To this day, I haven't had, uh, you, you don't want to embarrass your main contacts. I have not had the heart to ask Pastor Michael, was it fear or was it because all his brothers in arms were turned against him and so angry that he brought us there? But he was sitting outside the crusade in his truck by himself waiting for us to finish. 
that night we had a glorious response to the gospel. People gloriously born again. By the final night of that crusade run, we were in the largest city that had never had a Muslim gathering like that. Over 15,000 had gathered. And Pastor Michael was beaming from ear to ear. He said, John, I know this people. I know these people here. I know this city. 95% of this crowd is Muslim, and they've never heard the gospel. We watched as the vast majority raised their hands with us after hearing the simple preaching of Jesus. In between the children's festival, children's crusade, and the adult crusade, so many people came up, I mean, that were instantly healed by the power of God. They were pointing to their body where tumors were, and tumors had just melted. It, it was amazing. They were rejoicing. Well, it didn't stop then. We did a whole nother crusade run with a team from predominantly North America, but it didn't even stop with COVID. We got reports, if you receive our newsletter, you probably got the report of a couple that was a Muslim couple that just helped us translate at the end of 2019. They, they of course, were believers, but former Muslims. And they saw, they saw how. They saw that they could step out and share with their own countrymen even though they had never heard the simple gospel of Jesus and that they wouldn't be run out of town. They saw that they had an S on their chest. And that's what this is all about is God has made each and every one of us operatives. I call it divine enforcers. He's made you and me to step out and operate in his supernatural gospel power to make so real to the world today that he loves them. And he wants to free them. So they've left their jobs, this couple, and now they're predominantly going into Muslim territory and sharing the gospel, winning people to Jesus. They just gave the reports that 37 were born again and baptized. That's the number that was actually baptized. But a more recent report just came in this week Pastor Michael himself with a small team just went into another village region, and it wasn't just 37, 513 at their hands received the Lord Jesus Christ, such a groundswell that they're planting a Christian church. There hasn't been one in that region that's existed. They're planting a Christian church, and right now they're looking for which, which one of them is going to be the new pastor to that unreached region of the world. We're talking about making history, guys. We're the set of generations that is called to wrap this thing up on planet Earth. We're the set of generations to get her done in good old boy vernacular. We're going to see a massive harvest of souls that COVID, pandemic, scandemic, whatever you want to call it, whatever other people call it, and I know there's all different opinions across the whole universe, and I'm not here to be political. I'm here to represent heaven and heaven's agenda and heaven's desire. And heaven's agenda and heaven's desire is that heaven would invade earth, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would be on this earth like the waters cover the sea. The last time I checked, the waters that cover the sea actually are 
Water, sea. Sea is water. You can't have sea without water. Waters cover the sea. That means God wants the glory, the knowledge of the his glory, his word, so prolific on this planet that there's not a square inch where Coca-Cola has done beat us to getting the gospel to. No, it's supposed to be reversed, and our generations are the ones that are going to make sure that full reversal has happened, that every square inch of the planet has the gospel. In John 4, we find that, now in Jesus' day, virtually everyone was unreached, right? But the Samaritans were despised by the Jewish people. And he said, it's needful that we go through Samaria. He encounters a woman that the disciples miss. Because history tells us that there was one main road from Sychar there, the village area that they were in, to that well of Jacob, And they were so busy about the day-to-day operations of ministry that they missed the very encounter of why they were called to the ministry, why they were given the bread of life, why they got to sit with the master. In today's world, we've got to be so careful, especially in our fast-paced, tech-driven, geared culture in the United States of America that we don't get so caught up in posting, tweeting, Everything else that we miss, divine appointments that are all around. Because the harvest in John 4, when they come back and they find Jesus sitting, talking to this broken woman at the well that's been with uh, five men before and the man she's with isn't her husband, broken, tattered, jacked up, dysfunctional, and Jesus is ministering to her. She's so radically transformed. Yet the disciples still don't get it when he said, I have meat, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He was talking about pouring living water into that broken, battered, dysfunctional, precious woman's soul that transformed her forever. She went back and evangelized Those areas, those towns of Samaria, she so impacted everyone. They came out and heard the master. And they said, we not only believe because what you said that he told you, but we believe because we've heard his words ourselves. Reinhard Bunke was the first one I ever heard that had preached this message that the disciples walked that road and their heads must have been down or they must have been blind because they missed that very woman walking right beside them. See, the harvest isn't just on the other side of the planet in Bangladesh or Peru or India or China or Thailand, Southeast Asia. The harvest is so, so clear in John 4 that it's all around us. And it's not four months away. It's not the next mission trip, although we're so stoked about the next mission trip and the one after that. The harvest is every day, every moment of every day, all around us, even right here in Tulsa, Jerusalem. I'm thrilled to say one of our second-year core members, Heidi, is, where is Heidi in the room? She led an outreach yesterday where how many, Martine, how, I, you had 48 people heard the gospel right here in Tulsa, Jerusalem, and out of that, 11 prayed the prayer of salvation with our teams that were out. Out in just a little park outreach that they did, bringing a few bags of goods to people and loving them, say, do, we ha- do you have any needs? We want to pray. We know a lot's going on because of the pandemic. Guys, we are primed. No matter where you fall in view or 
whatever all of us ultimately come from that viewpoint of heaven if we have Jesus in our hearts and it's that we have a day and an hour in front of us at hand where people are hurting and looking for the answers and there is a level of unknowing and mistrust and distrust because misinformation and disinformation and a little bit of truth mixed in there too. And I'm not here to, again, try to sort all that out. I'm here to say, let's rise up, let's unite, let's go after harvest like never before because it's just as hot in hell from Tulsa, Oklahoma as it is from Timbuktu, Lima, Peru, Bangkok, Thailand, Dhaka, Bangladesh. People need Jesus manifested. And we don't have to choose when Jesus gave the Great Commission and it's followed up in Acts 1, verse 8. He didn't say choose. He said, you'd be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And as a connector, it wasn't and or. It definitely wasn't or. It was all of the above. Man, I love those tests in school. It was so easy when it was letter D or E, all of the above. Because usually if they had that right there, you knew, hey, that, you, I'm going to get this one right. It's the same in the kingdom. God wants us and has equipped the 21st century church to be about all of the above in this day and this hour. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, John, man, I want to be part of the last great move of God. I want to rise to the occasion in a greater measure. And you're stirred just in the few moments we've had together hearing me share from my vantage point my testimony of what God's done. If you say, I know that there's more I can do. I know that God's pulling at my heart to do more, maybe in reaching global communities around the world. See, God's made a way, even if you can't go. That famous missionary statesman said, if you can't go, send out substitutes. There's ways to go, even if you never jump on an airplane and go. I believe every Christian in the 21st century, at least needs to go once and not on a humanitarian aid venture, on a soul-winning, gospel-preaching, miracle-working mission trip. And that's why Global Ventures exists in our team mission trip capacity and department. But even beyond that, we can go with our prayers, we can go with our giving, we can give our time, our talents, our treasure to touch global communities that have not heard the gospel before. But God doesn't want us to stop just in being a conduit over there. He wants us to put the go on right here and now. Peter walked on the water with one word from the master's lips, come. Jesus has issued a greater word than come. He's issued the word go. And all of the powers of heaven stand behind that word. He needs us to go to our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. He needs us to go to strangers that we cross paths in on the job. Maybe that new sales call, maybe that new bid we're pitching, maybe that new client that's showing up, or maybe just a straight up stranger in the post office out in the park, grocery store. He needs us to be ever in tune so that we can be the conduit of living life, living water flowing into them now. 
If you're starting, you say, John, I want to be that conduit in a greater way. Coming in to Easter week, with Easter weekend, resurrection weekend, I want to be used by God to be a great commission Christian in my lifetime. Raise your hand high all over this place. I've got my hand up. Even though we've seen 2.3 million decisions for Christ, because I want to turn that into 20 million and not stop there. Thank you, thank you. Hands going up all over. I want to pray a prayer. I know most of us here are believers. If you could put your hand down, just want to quickly just check and see if there's anyone that says, John, I'm not totally where I need to be with the master. If you would, just slip your hand up. If there's anyone that says, I need to get some things shored up and made right this morning. I know most of us have been serving God a long time, but we would not want to miss, even if it was just one. Is there anyone that fits in that category? God loves you. He reaches out with hands of love, not hands of condemnation. All right, I want all of us to stand on our feet and put one hand on our hearts, raise the other hand to heaven. And I want you to pray a prayer like I did the backseat of mama and daddy's car when I was 12 years old. I called out to God and I said, I don't know how, but I want to go. I want to make a difference in the world today. I want to lead you in that prayer. From Tulsa all the way to the other side of the world, I want each and every one of us, just like God does, to be obedient to whatever his bidding is to do, to make the gospel known. Let's say that out to him. Let's say it with our mouths loud and strong. Dear God, you know I believe in Jesus. I know he's my Lord, my Savior, my God and King. Right now, I commit afresh and anew to that Lordship in every facet of my life. And especially in being the light. I will not let my light be hidden. I won't let it be under a basket or under a bushel. I'll let it shine bright and true as if it was held on a mighty post. I'll let it shine to friends and neighbors, family members, co-workers, co-students, and strangers. But Lord God, I'll also let it shine in being a world Great Commission Christian. Let me have opportunity to step out and be part of reaching those that have never heard from Tulsa to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.